Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JustBaseball, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JustBaseball. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Just Baseball Show is presented by BetMGM. Use promo code JustBaseball, all one word, and start betting with the king of sportsbooks. Jack and Aram. Aram, Aram's coming to us from London. We've got Walker Bueller coming on a little bit later, but I want to hit on three games off the top. I want to hit on game one in London. I want to hit on the game of the year on Friday in Cincinnati between the Reds and the Braves right before that winning streak was snapped. And then I want to hit on uh, Angels-Rockies on Saturday night. Let's start in London. Uh, that has to be such a cool environment, man. Like Cubs won 9-1. Adam Wainwright looked lost. Who cares about the baseball? You're in freaking the UK. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard um, to watch Wayno like that. But other than that, it was it was a lot of fun, man. It it's cool to see baseball be like a spectacle. Um, you know, almost like this. I don't know this this thing that people want to just kind of inquire and 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 find out a little bit more about. Also, it was cool to see. I mean, they picked two of the right teams. How well traveled both fan bases were. Like you had plenty of of people from the Midwest so out here to to watch their team and kind of built in a vacation with it, which is cool. But you definitely had a lot of locals who you could tell just went to the fan shop and maybe still had the tags on the shirt they just bought. And it wasn't just of the players that are playing. Like you saw a bunch of Pete Alonzo jerseys. And, and I'm assuming, you know, maybe those were people that saw the home run derbies the last couple of years and have been captivated. Uh, you know, you saw some Otanis, you saw, you saw a little bit of everything. And I was like, okay, these are people that wanted to go to a baseball game, went to the store and bought the Jersey of somebody they like, they didn't just buy a Cardinals or Cubs Jersey as a memento. Like it, it was really cool to see 
and, and just kind of picking the brain of some fans that I was in line to get a beer with or whatever it was just like, why are you here? Uh, and, and like the most like kind way possible. I mean, usually that's the question with a negative, uh, negative connotation, but I was just genuinely like, what, what brought you here? And some were just like something to do. Some were like, you know, I've kind of fallen into, into love with baseball the last couple of years. Some were like, I've started to enjoy it. Or like in COVID, I, when I was wanted to watch any sport, I started watching and got it. There were so many different answers, but all of them, there was always a good thing we have the game here. The kind of thought that I had, meaning like this is just a great way to grow the game. Whether you think that a lot of you know, European fans will will jump aboard or not is you know, remains to be seen. But I can promise you the the number is bigger than zero. And that's very cool. Yeah, no, super cool. And, you know, why are you here? You can ask in a polite way. Like, who do you know here is the dick one? Like, that's front door of FISI, like what's happening. Um, But no, man, like I, I can appreciate, you know, why people would genuinely answer that question. Why are you here? And if we've seen anything from our friend Peter Pratt on Twitter and who like, I met, by the way, and my my year is made. Yeah, I met dude. Peter Pratt. My year was made because you met him. Like I just saw a photo of you guys together. I was like, holy hell, that guy's real. And he's about six foot, maybe six uh, one. Yeah, host of Locked on Marlins, which, you know, before that was what I hosted before this and did all this. And, you know, he was the the host after me. I passed the baton to him and he's been awesome. And I'm excited the Marlins are doing well for him. But you know, Peter Pratt. I he he's part of the reason why I ask people this question when I'm talking to you know people that are baseball fans out here, you know, like what got you into the sport somewhere originally from the US and it's like okay, that makes sense too. Um but with Peter Pratt it was he was on vacation in South Florida saw hey, and those Marlins games look cheap. Went to the game, saw Stanton and Jose Fernandez. It was a Jose start, it was a Stanton and, and you know Peter correct me on Twitter if you hear this and um and I'm and I'm you know butchering it at all, but I think he saw Stanton and Jose got a good game and and fell in love with it. And the rest was history. And that's why I love asking the question, because it's almost just like for for you and I and, and Peter Apple as well, like we're just kind of raised around it. So we just we loved it. You know, I'm sure we have moments and stories of where we like, you know, really realize we love baseball. But, you know, not this like adulthood, like, wow, this this game is fun as hell. And like those stories always just grab me and i think it's so cool and um but to speak to the series too or at least you know i'm recording before i'm going to game two <laughs> the field is funny the ball bounces so high so um it definitely feels makeshift to a degree but i would say not in a way that you are like oh it's it's pretty amazing how they've been able to throw this thing together and it's fun uh, you know, we're always playing baseball in a in a field designed for baseball, unless you're in Oakland. And so, but even then, like we're kind of numb to that. It, it's kind of cool to just be like, oh, we just threw this shit together and we're going to try to play baseball in here. Like the ball flies. It bounces super high. Like it's just weird. And I love it. I yeah. love it. I, I love the unique park factor. Like it, there's something about these one off games where it's like, hey, how does the field of dreams play? Like, how's the yeah. air? How's the air in Mexico well, City? With corn like, sweat, bro. We're talking about corn sweat. Like yeah. that is awesome. No, I um, mean it's it's so fun because it's such a unique conversation. Did it feel? Um, you mentioned a lot of Midwest folk being Cubs and Cardinals. Did it feel kind of like Ted Lassoy, like corn fed meets London? It, it it felt a little bit like that. I would say. I again, I wish I watched more Ted Lasso to be able to have context, but I I, I think so. Um, I would say that it, it it was a spectacle like that's the best word i can come up 
with like I went to an international soccer game. It, it was a ex- exhibition match in South Florida maybe 10 years ago with my with my pops. And it was Chelsea versus Real Madrid. Damn. Game I think had no implications beyond yeah, just, just a friendly, you know, yeah. exhibition match. So probably even even less important than this one. Just to ADK there to watch, you know, at, at the time it, you you had uh, Hazard on, on Chelsea. Of course, you had Ronaldo on, on Real Madrid. And it was, it was just a ton of fun. I'm sure I'm missing a ton of really good players. Soccer is not my, my forte. But it was a spectacle for us. It was so cool to see some of the best soccer players in the world uh, compete on you know our turf. And at, at, at that point, 10 years ago, we were horrible. Like we weren't even nearly as good as we, we are now in, in terms of USA soccer. So it was really cool to see, and I, and I felt similar vibe to that. And it wasn't an exhibition, though. And I think that was important too for some of these UK fans because it was like we're watching a game that matters. This isn't just some performance. Like this has implications on the season. People ask me around me were asking, you know, like what's the deal? And I'm like, Cardinals stink right now, but they're supposed to be good. Like think if Man U was just having a horrible year and you can't figure out why. Like that's what it is. And so it was it was fun to kind of have that conversation too. And they got to see generational superstar Ian Happ do his thing, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So I told um, them he's Barry Bonds. Yes, exactly. He's a switch hitting Barry Bonds. Um, yes. Switch hitting Barry Bonds is actually Ellie de la Cruz. And I think that's a perfect transition <laughs> to what the hell we just watched on Friday night. Um, I'm kicking myself. If you guys listened to the Friday show, I did not go. It was 75 bucks to get a seat at Great American Ballpark. Um, I was thinking about going. I opted not to at noon. The game was sold out and I missed the game of the year. 11-10, the Reds beat the Braves. Ellie De La Cruz had the cycle in the sixth inning. Um, Joey Votto had two pumps. Alexis Diaz closed the game out. Like this was, yes, it was the last game of the 12 game winning streak. But dude, like this was the pinnacle of Cincinnati Reds baseball over the last 10 years. This game on Friday night. I, I don't think that's ridiculous to say at all. <laughs> um, it, it's not just the fact that they beat the Braves. It's not the fact that Ellie De La Cruz hit the, for the cycle. How about the fact that they came back against the Braves? I mean, they were down and out, like, down and out. And, and, you know, they get to AJ Smith Shaver. That's okay. Like he's a, he's a rookie. He's super young. I think he's the only guy that's as young as Ellie De La Cruz in the whole league. But then they get to McHugh and then they get to Heller. And, and like, it was just like, Okay, they, this team is just going to hit. They're not going to roll over. And then on the other side, it's like, okay, can you keep this Reds or this Braves juggernaut offense at bay? Because for the Weaver most part, that yeah. sorry, what was that? Because Luke Weaver couldn't. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course not. And 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 but then they get Alex Young who does what he does, and they get a couple other guys to piece it together. And then you know, Sims runs into some trouble. But then that's what you got Alexis Diaz for, who picks up the save in eight pitches. So you see the recipe for this team. There's so much to unpack. We could probably do a whole episode on the Reds alone. And we've talked about them so much this year. I guess we'll start with the cycle. And then I do want to talk about Joey Votto. And then, you know, we can move move on to uh, another topic so we can hit on a few other things. But, like, I could literally spend 30 minutes on the Reds. This dude hit for the cycle in his 15th career game. That that part of it's well documented. But the home run was 368 feet and was another one of those where he like thought he flew out. Yeah. And that's why I think this guy is, is at some point going to hit 40 home runs here because he's going to miss hit so many baseballs that get out there. When Normally when you – the last thing that you need is the triple for the cycle. You're like, ah, 
yeah, he's probably not going to get it. When they always say, like, oh, triple shy of the cycle, it's like, okay, so he's shy of the hardest thing to get cool. When when it was Elie Cruz is a triple shy of the cycle, it was like, you almost knew he was getting it. Yeah. And the second that ball went in the gap, it shouldn't be like, oh, that's a triple in great American ballpark where there's not that much room in the gaps. The second that ball got in the gap, it was like, oh, he got it. <laughs> like He's so fast. It, it, it's insane. Um, yeah, it, it, it's just I think that was that game is a microcosm of what Ellie De La Cruz is capable of on the baseball field. Watching the isolated camera of him running on that triple, it was 10.83 from home to third, which is alien life form shit. Like this guy, yeah, you cannot make his talent up. It's it's otherworldly. I mean, O'Neill Cruz, like everybody threw out hyperbole last year. And then we got to Ellie now, and and you elevate all the hyperbole because it's not hyperbolic with these guys. I, seeing, I would say you say the same thing, and it's just not hyperbole with him. That's it. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's the thing. We are seeing a new cut of human being, and like there's not very many Ellie De La Cruz's coming down the pipeline. Like you're going to be somewhat disappointed when I tell you that the next number one prospect in baseball does not have the ability that Ellie De La Cruz does. But this is a guy that is honestly with his tool set never before seen and we'll have to wait a really long time to ever see a guy like that again i mean i'm i'm i mean we're updating the top 100 list there's some really talented baseball players but But in terms of tools no one's sniffing that that's why we put ellie number one when we did it was acknowledging the risk but the and he was the highest risk prospect probably in our top five maybe even in our top 10 but the tools were so absurd i'm like you got to put this guy one. There's nobody in, in minor league baseball. James Wood is a freak. He's six, seven. He can play center. He can hit the ball, you know, 120 miles an hour. He, he just is not near the the freak that, that Ellie De La Cruz is. That's the thing. You say six, seven, a freak can hit the ball 120 miles an hour. So can Ellie. From both sides of the plate while playing shortstop with, with the, 80 arms so it's just like he's just it, Joey Votto if Joey Votto tells you he's never seen anybody like this which is exactly what he said now on multiple occasions he's like I don't want to put pr- any more pressure on the kid and he's aware of that like he, he he's very aware of it and you can see that because he, he sees what's happening yeah. and and it's awesome but it's also like you know he doesn't want to contribute to that hyperbole the hyperbolic pressure it, it's it's amazing that you know he goes what's the comp Mickey Mantle. I don't want to do that to him, but what's the comp? You know, and it's like, it really is like that. That's, that's all you got. And it doesn't mean he's going to be Mickey Mantle, but in terms of skill set and tools, like that's what, what it is. How about Joey Votto though? Yeah. So do you want to talk Joey Votto, the baseball player or Joey Votto, the Cincinnati Reds fan? Because I'm a huge (laughs) fan of Joey Votto, the Cincinnati Reds fan. All Mm. of his remarks since he has come back from this rehab assignment have made me fall more in love with Joey Votto. And he was already an incredibly lovable dude, but th- the fact that he's like having maybe the most fun he's ever had playing baseball. And he's such a minor part of this machine is hilarious. And I know I just used the word machine for the Cincinnati Reds. I shouldn't do that, whatever. Like it's, it's this youth movement that the future hall of famer gets a front row seat to and is fucking loving it and is documenting yeah. his love for it, which is beautiful. Yeah. 
And, and how about this part of it though? It's like that's what I thought he would be. Is like okay, front row seat, pinch hitter here and there, like do do what he can to help. But he's helping. He had three home runs already. Yeah, <laughs> like he had two home runs in the one game. He's swinging it. And is he going to swing it like this the whole time? Maybe not. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But he looks good. Yeah. And I think that's the most exciting part, too. Like, he was not sure how he could contribute. He was not sure if he would even come back and be healthy. And here he is contributing and helping this team continue to ride this momentum and win ball games. That's extremely exciting. Like, Joey Votto is not only having the most fun he's had, not being the, the focal point of this team, but he's also contributing, and and that's really awesome to see too. And it makes this team just that much more lovable. Are they going to win the division? <laughs> I'm interested to see how the Brewers approach the deadline. Here's the reality. They're not adding. It's just whether how much they subtract, and I think they're going to subtract some. I, yeah, they, they might win this division, man. Like Woodruff is out for the year, it sounds like. Peralta is – a very subdued version of his former self. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's crazy how I've turned the corner because you guys, you guys threw this out pre 12 game hit streak, which are pre 12 game win streak, which is awesome. And like, kudos to, to you and Peter on that. But like, I didn't see it. And now I guess I, I see it. Like I understand the whole America's team thing. It's fucking awesome what they're doing. And I just really appreciate I wish it. I bet on it. I yeah, wish I bet on it. I, I know. I didn't actually place it. I know Peter did. I, I didn't actually place it. I wanted to, and then now. I forgot. I literally forgot, and then they won five straight, and then it was, like, too late. So, yeah. Um, But it is so awesome. Hey, before we get to Walker Bueller, uh, we'll we'll wrap with Rockies Angels. But before we get to Bueller, let's tell you about So Rare real quick. Um, our Just Baseball League is is humming right now. Yeah. Um, And we're putting out a, a quick video on, on our social media's a little bit later today, um, IDing some of the limited cards that I think are pretty good buys. Um, and these are anywhere from like, you know, the, the five to $20 range. Um, I think from Valdez, I ID'd in like the low twenties range, but if you want to elevate your so rare game, yes, you can play the free league. I like playing the free league. I like playing with free cards, but if you do want to buy in and, you want to put your skills to the test for loftier prices, the limited way is a really good way to go about it. Yeah. And and what's really fun about it is you get your feel for it by drafting your team for free and you know entering our competitions. And we'll we, we're giving merch away to those who come in first place. And you can win other prizes for coming in first place in the in the free league. You can also win limited cards to help jumpstart your your you know your team there which is really cool so the the free competitions if your if your team dominates you can win that limited card which is worth maybe 10 15 depending on you know what random card you get and then plug that into your lineup and build your lineup from there they also have cool starter packs and stuff like that it, my limited lineup i piece it together for cheap and right now i'm i'm in my limited lineup i'm 148th out of 2333 people with Lazardo, Alex Lang, Yandy Diaz, Luis Arias, Gary Carpenter, Austin Riley, Andrew Vaughn. And if this holds, I could potentially get a really good limited card that I can upgrade my lineup with. So if you do want to kind of try to play for bigger prizes and, you know, and, and what I'm in right now, you can win Ethereum rewards, you can win VIP experiences, you can win all these different things. It's really fun on the limited side, but 
if you want to get your feet wet, click that link in our description, draft your team for free, and you can win prizes with us as well. So it, it's not something that you have to pay to play, but if you're really in loving it as much as like I do, um, and you know, you want to up the stakes a little bit, you can piece together a team for pretty cheap and you know, put together some limited cards and and have fun with that too. Um, and keep compiling the limited cards and you can sell them whenever too. If, if it's a player that like like Jack is ID'd that's performing well or will be performing well. The cards go up in value because everyone wants them on their team. There's a limited amount of, of those total players and you can flip it and sell it later too. So that's the fun part of it. And and kind of what's what's fun for me is I feel like kind of buying stock and players to a degree in, in some ways. And like Arias, I bought for like $9 before the season. And he's been my, he's been my, basically the guy that's pushed this lineup forward every single week well, offensively. Yeah, it's it's hard. Not yeah, it helps. To push the lineup forward. It helps a lot. Um, yeah, I saw Reed Detmers for eight bucks. Like Detmers just went but seven shutout against the Dodgers last time out. Like that yep. guy plays, man, and he's going to see the White Sox. I have no idea what ungodly things he's going to do the Chicago White Sox tonight. So, <laughs> yeah, again, join our Just Baseball League. Link is in the episode description. Now here's Walker Bueller. We got Walker Bueller. We're going to circle back to Buffalo Trace because it's the goods, man. We're also going to talk about Freddie Freeman going 2000. Uh, we're going to talk about Shohei, Ellie De La Cruz. Yeah, Peter got the the hoss of the Buffalo Trace. Holy hell. Big one. But before we do any of that, I need the elevator pitch because we just came off of watching Will Smith tie Sunday Night Baseball in the bottom of the eighth. I need the elevator pitch for why Will Smith should be the starting catcher for the National League when phase two voting opens tomorrow at noon. Yeah, I mean, I've put it out there before. I think he's probably probably should have been an all-star at least once, probably twice. And, uh, you know, catcher is one of those positions. I think traditionally the name guys are going to be the guys that make the all-star team, the Adier Molinas of the world. And and obviously with him retiring and JT uh, Romuto is obviously one of those guys and, and, in the National League, we have Will and Sean Murphy, but uh, you know what Will's done in his career. Not many catchers have really been able to do it, especially offensively, the way he has. Uh, and then, obviously, defensively, he's he's improved really quickly into one of one of the best guys in baseball as well. So um, I don't really think I, I need to make too big of a case. I think he kind of does that for himself, and um, really a huge part of our team. Yeah, that's that's the big thing that I've noticed from Will Smith because Will Smith has been one of my favorite catchers now for years because I always thought that the bat was incredibly special, but he just needed some things to work on defensively. But this year and even last year too, you could tell he just keeps getting better and better in that facet, but it's not taking away from his bat at all. But you look at a guy like Sean Murphy, like Murphy's numbers overall might be a little bit better than Will Smith this season, but he's also hurt. You know, I hate to say it, but he's a little yeah. bit hurt right now. And Will Smith is playing really well. We're just watching about Sunday Night Baseball. So he right. could catch him. That race right now, I think, is one of the most competitive races between all the All-Stars. Yeah, I mean, I think also traditionally, obviously, Sean is with the the Braves now and, and has moved over. But but Will's never played for a bad team and, and started since day one and, and led us to, to a lot of different places. Obviously, we have... Austin Barnes as well, who's, you know, extremely talented behind the plate and, and helped Will with, with some of that stuff as well. But, you know, when you look back on it, man, it, Will also didn't really get a fair shake. You know, his first or second year was COVID. And so in terms of, oh, we've played X amount of years, like, like being a catcher, you, you need as many games as you can get, right? So 
for Will to play in that 60-game season instead of the 160 really shows you how, like, quickly he's improved, right? Because it's 100 games behind the plate that he hasn't had. And and so him being, I think it's his fourth year, it's it's been pretty incredible to watch. And, uh, yeah, he doesn't strike out. He doesn't you – know, he hits home runs. He does everything he wants to do. Love it. All right. Let's get to the goods, man. We're circling back on the Buffalo Trace, the magic stuff, man. Um, This is your go-to. This has quickly become my go-to. It's damn good, dude. So we did it episode one. We're circling back episode nine here. Why do you love it? Just run us through that one more time. For what it costs times what it is, I don't think there's anything out there that really compares. I think it's probably one of the top five bourbons in the world at – you know, $30 a bottle, which is insane. And, and especially, you know, in this whole collecting and, and doing all this stuff, you get all these crazy bottles that are hundreds of dollars. And, and then you've got something just as good that is the flagship product and, and therefore it's 30 bucks. And uh, yeah, it's hard to beat. Yeah. So, so I went 30 to bucks for most, it's 30 bucks for most people. It's 30 yeah. bucks for most people. This was 80. Well, because <laughs> it's also the size of my head. So I go to my local liquor store and I said, um, do you guys have Buffalo Trace? Because Walker, you've given it such glowing reviews. And they, they say, well, we only have the big bottle. I'm like, well, how big? 1.75 liters. Yep. And I'm expecting it to be really, really expensive because it's a literal airplane full of <laughs> bourbon. But they say, no, it's 80 bucks, which is still like spending $80 on liquor is still right. a good amount. But when, it's enough, while, when it's enough to last a summer, it's going to be good. And I want to try because I've never had Buffalo Trace before, but I probably had it in old fashions, but I've never had yeah. it just straight. So dive in, baby. Um, while we wait for Peter's review. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. That, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That is good. Hey, we saw an Instagram video from you. Um, we saw a catcher in a crouch. So was that your first official bullpen? How did that feel, man? Yeah. First official bullpen. I guess we're two in now. I threw another one on Friday. So, um, yeah, it feels good. Obviously you kind of slow creep up into it and I've thrown off the mound a little bit here and there, but, um, yeah, 15 fastballs and, and check that box. So, uh, it was up to 92. So I feel pretty good about it. And, um, yeah, we're making progress. When do when do you start working in the other pitches? Like, is it fastball exclusive for the next month? Yeah, for a few weeks, I think. I, I'm not really sure on that. I'm, I've I throw them in flag ground and mess around with them, just kind of tinkering it with tinkering with it a little bit. But um, yeah, I think there's still some. You know, they call it like not I forget exactly what they call it, like ligament strength, not strengthening, but kind of getting it used to doing what it has to do again, and um, you just got to get it get it strong and, and get it used to, to doing what we do. And you said you threw multiple bullpens. What did yep. you kind of progress in from the first to the second? The first one was better than the second. I think that's one thing in, in surgery that's hard to, for us to kind of get used to is that there's going to be more inconsistency in, in how you feel. And, you know, you get into a five day rotation for us during the season, you have a pretty, pretty good expectation of how you're going to feel on every day. And, um, with surgery, this the, the ligament in your arm just isn't used to it. So some days it feels great the next day, some days it doesn't. And um, you got to be comfortable and, and confident that that's all kind of part of it and that that's okay. So, uh, yeah, the second one wasn't as good, but, uh, you know, they could have easily been flipped around and I would have been happy as a clam too. So, um, yeah, we're all good. So I think the way that a lot of people can look at that 
um, because obviously not a lot of people are throwing bullpens off of Tommy John that are listening right. to this podcast, but a lot of people might be learning how to run. A lot of people might be gearing up for a 5K or a 10K. When you first start running, you may feel good on like day three, but then day four, when you try and run the same distance, you may feel like shit. Is right. that kind of like what you got going on to the nth degree? Yeah, I mean, if you want to think about it from like an actual like, you know, physical perspective, right? Like you you build all the way up to this bullpen and then that's the biggest stress that you've put on your body to that point. That's like the whole purpose of doing this thing. You're, you're stressing everything productively, right? So your recovery time is not going to be the same as it used to be, at least early. So yeah, it's pretty usual for that first bullpen or the first one of the week or when you have the extra day to feel really good and then not feel as good. Um, because your body just doesn't know how to fix itself quite the way that it used to. And, um, it's, it's really interesting. Like before or my first Tommy John completely changed where I got sore after I threw. So it used to be like, Oh, all back in here or whatever. And then when I came back from my first Tommy John, it was like all in my trap and all these different things. Your the muscles just learn how to do things a little bit differently when you take you know, extended amount of time off. And I, I even notice that sometimes season to season. So if I take a couple of weeks off, then I ramp back up. And when I get back in the spring training, it's like, well, last year it was all out here and now it's all in here. It just, things kind of mold and, and morph. And uh, yeah, it's all just kind of part of the process as, as corny as that sounds. And I know you noted that September 1 might be uh, the date where we'll see you on the mound for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Do you kind of have an updated timeline? Because I feel like the bullpens are happening maybe sooner than we expected. And right, we're, we're not yeah, even at the I mean, end of June yet. So 10 months is pretty typically the, the time you'll get back on the mound. And um, it being my second one, I would say it's pretty um, adventurous to be doing it that early. Not Not in a bad way. It's just like things have gone pretty well. So um, we're in a good spot with that. But yeah, there's, you know, there's still stuff you got to check off 12 bullpens or 14 bullpens and then some hitters and then get in a five day and do all of this stuff. So, um, you know, the days, the days are going by quick, I guess, but, um, yeah, I, I want to be, be back in September. That's my plan. And, and we'll see kind of, I think where we're at, you know, obviously really tight race. I don't want to come in and try and, or, be in a spot where I'm like hindering anything by me only being able to throw an inning or two or three at first or whatever it is. So um, we're going to kind of have to play a little bit of a, a teeter totter game there, but uh, you know, if they want me out there trying to get guys out, then then I'm, and I'm healthy enough to do so, then I'll be there. That's probably a great thing for the mentals that the days are going by a bit quicker because I'm sure <laughs> at the beginning they were going by slow as hell. And that has to feel so refreshing for you. Yeah, it's fun, man. It, it's interesting because you kind of get to a point, you know, I think we've talked about this before you play a certain amount of years and it's hard to get, I, I don't want to say amped up, obviously, you know, doing my job is, is the most fun job in the world. And, um, but it's hard to get that little bit of edge sometimes that you need, especially at COVID. I think we talked about that, but mm -hmm. you know, when you're out for a year, that, that stuff kind of starts coming back and um, yeah, it's fun. I don't, you know, I'm 28 and I don't know if I really can say, but I, I feel like a kid in, in that, um, you know, I, I'm excited and, and want to go and, and want to get bigger and stronger and better. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting feeling. And how do you kind of control the boundaries? Because I've always, I've always found that interesting. Like I know that you're getting healthier and healthier and you're seeing your team fight, right? Right. We're just watching them on Sunday night baseball. I know you want to get out there. 
and no. you feel yourself getting healthier. Like, what does that push and pull feel like? Uh, I, I try and make the trainer's jobs hard, right? I, I push and push and push and uh, probably make some of them uncomfortable and doctors uncomfortable and whatever with kind of the effort and, and stuff that I do when I throw. But, um, you know, I really think it's, a, it's an important thing for me to keep trying to throw the ball harder and harder and harder because, you know, I, I think guys – I think less time when people have surgery and they come back and it's not quite the same is, is out of this weird, uh, you want everything to feel like it used to. Right. And so when we're right, or when we're in season, it doesn't feel like you're pushing off the mound. It feels like you're just kind of gliding. Right. But it took you from age 14 to 28 of pushing to learn how to throw that hard. Right. And so, I think when you start playing catch again and stuff and, and, Oh, I just want it to glide. Like it's probably 80% of what it used to be in terms of the force. And then you guys who arm whose arms get stuck at not being able to throw what they used to. And, and then it's really hard to relearn that kind of stuff. So for me, I, I think trying to throw the ball hard is the only way that, that I ever really learned how to throw hard. And so that's what I'm going to do. And, and we'll kind of let them figure out how to have me do it safer or safely or whatever but um yeah it's hard for me not to not to do it that way well we think you're gonna be gliding again soon man and i i know you hope that you'll be gliding again very soon so um at the end of that instagram video that you put out of the pen you had a just a quick frame like really quick video of you mean mugging in a helmet and that kind of sparked something in my mind obviously we've talked about your nuke but you pinch ran twice in 21 in the span of like a month and a half, September four in San Francisco and then NLCS against the Braves in 21 as well. So I, I'm not going to like go to the film room here and be like, damn, like, you know, your running posture was a little upright, <laughs> but why do you feel like you were the one tapped? I don't know. I think I probably pushed for it to be honest with you. I really do not run well. I'm, I'm decently quick, but um, everyone, has made fun of me for a long time for the way that I run. And that's fine. It's very, I, kind of, I scoot really is what I do. And my knees never get in front of my hips at all. So it's just all back behind me. It looks a little funky, but no, I think that little mean thing was, I got a hit that wasn't from pinch running. So oh, that was a hit. Yeah. That's why I was all excited. <laughs> I thought you were excited to get into the game to run. <laughs> that, that reminds me of that story. You know, that uh, I think the, the pitcher for LSU, he came in to hit and he convinced his coach oh, that yeah. he hit in high school and he never actually hit in high school. Was that maybe a conversation that you had? It was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I run like a six, nine 60 or uh, that's kind of slow, but I'm good enough to get on the base pass. But in reality, it's, it's much slower than that. No, we were the only, the closest I ever got to like going in to play defense was in Miami. I think it was my rookie or maybe my second year. And it got to the point where I had a glove and I had my cleats on and they decided not to do it. And I blew up on our bench coach kind of in a joking, joking man, but I was like, listen, man, if you ever tell me to go put my cleats on again and don't put me in a game, I will freak out. <laughs> have you I ever covered right field? Have you ever come across like a crazy fast pitcher? Because I know that Dre Jameson of the diamondbacks, great okay. Corbin Carroll and oh, I heard that yeah still blows my mind like have you come across anyone you know with yeah, the Jake, Dodgers? Uh, Jake Reed can really run really and, and yeah and his wife's an Olympian of some sort I forget what she does but he can really really run he's we've had him you know here and there a couple of times and 
he's about as impressive as there there is in terms of that. Also, a funny one for you: we do 300-yard shuttles. That's like a very kind of well-known pitcher conditioning thing. And Hunjin Ru was about as good as I've ever seen on a 300-yard shuttle. You're lying. What? I yeah. Swear. What? No shot. Like I, my the best one I've ever run was probably in the low 50 seconds, and he would run three or four of them in a row at like 55 seconds. Dude, and he's huge. Yeah, what? good on him. Is it the strides? <laughs> I feel like he may have really long strides. Yeah, he also has calves about the size of that Buffalo Trace bottle that you have. Damn, man. Yunkin Rose calves right there. I love hearing that. Um, yeah, so you were ready to like pull a Michael Lorenzen. You were ready to hop and write and, and hose somebody, but you just weren't going to rip it. Have you thought about, you know, you maybe didn't just... call my number? Yeah, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry to hear that. Unbelievable. Um, let's hop around baseball's big stories with you a little bit. And, and one has to do with your teammate, Freddie Freeman. Bottom of the ninth inning gets hit number 2000 of his career. And he's probably the guy that UID, he and a very short list of active players that, you know, have 3000 within shouting distance. But yeah. just being around Freddie like you have, what's that guy like? What's his work ethic like? Yeah, I mean, it, Freddie's kind of uh, different in the way that he's not the one that's in the cage at one o'clock every day. And, and but I think he's also different in that he plays every day and, and he has a routine and sticks to it, believes in it. Obviously, kind of proof proof is in the pudding, right, where you got 2000 hits and, and he's been a really, really good player in the major leagues for a long time. And, um, you know, he takes a lot of pride in playing every day and being really consistent. So. I think that's in today's day and age, you're going to have to be exceptionally talented, be very fortunate to be as healthy as he has been and play every day. And that, that's the only way you're going to get to 3000 hits probably again. So, um, you know, Manny Machado is probably a guy that, that has a chance just because he plays 160 a year as well. And, uh, but yeah, it's been cool. Obviously I was there for Scherzer's 3000 punch out and then a lot of Kirsch's um, stuff that he's clipped off and, um, unfortunately wasn't there for Freddy's, but, uh, yeah, really, really, really cool accomplishment and, and something that, um, uh, doesn't come around too often. You know, most guys, you get a thousand hits in the big leagues. That's, it's a lot. You know, it's five, two, the, the, the weirdest way to think about it for me is like, that's 10, 200 hit seasons. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to, I guess, wrap your mind around because, at this point, like this era of baseball, and baseball has changed in recent years. So there were, you know, five, ten guys getting to 200 hits, you know, late 2000s. Yeah. But now there's, what, two, three guys a year? Right. Maybe four getting to 200 hits. So, yeah, it, that's rarefied air. I like the way you look at that. Yeah, so, I think it's the, same, it's the same with pitching stats, right? 200 wins is 10, 20-win seasons. Like, it's crazy. It's just – what what some of the guys used to be able to do and, and pull off and stay healthy enough and, and whatever is crazy. I, I remember hearing Derek Lowe never went on the DL, which is like one of the craziest things that I've ever heard of. Damn. Damn. I always – the way we think about Freddie, it's like, you know, he's in within shouting distance. It almost seems like, oh, he's got an outside shot of it. I just think Freddie's going to get to 3,000, right? I think the bat's too damn good. He's 33 years old. He's at 2,000 right now. I don't know if he's going to have 200 hits for the next. That's, 100, that's 150 hits a year until he's 40. I mean, if there's anybody in Major League Baseball, wouldn't it be Freddie right. Freeman? The but if he wants to play till then, then, you know what I mean? Like, there's he's a getting lot of, better. There's, there's so many factors outside of like, can you step on the field and get hits, right? 
the the way the guys are making like how much money guys make at the top end of the market now dictates a lot of this stuff. I think Machado, him taking the deal that he's taken, the the length of it now is a, a sign that that's like an important thing to him. Now Freddie had already signed his deal in Atlanta and then signed with us for however many years, but you know, at 36, 37, it's hard for guys to go, well, I've done X, Y, and Z. I've made all this money. Like, I'm probably a Hall of Famer. Like, what else are they doing it for? Just for that one hit and that one standing ovation is hard, I think. Especially when you've, you know, Freddie could probably retire tomorrow and he's a Hall of Famer. Or or pretty close. Close, yeah. So, he's, like, setting his record in stolen bases this year. Like, he ain't slowed <laughs> out for shit. He likes those big. He likes those big bases. Yeah, he, he loves those big bases. He, his so, swing looks so ideal and it's so perfect right now. I just don't see him stopping. Like I know that it may seem far fetched because we're still a thousand away and just getting a thousand hits, like you said, in a big league, big league career is amazing. But if I were to bet on a guy in Major League Baseball right now who's at two thousand, there's six active. Where it's not very good comparison because guys are more ahead of others. But why wouldn't it be Freddie Freeman? Perfect yeah, swing. Yeah, I mean, you look at the at the new the new application. The DH two is going to help a lot of guys. You think about yeah. Manny, who you know first and third obviously kind of have that little mirror thing. But playing first is a little different than playing third. And you know if Manny can DH for two years of his career, like that's probably another three hundred and fifty hits. Like you know what I mean? You you start getting into scenarios that become a little bit more believable now with the DH being in both leagues. So I figure for our video segment this week, I've got all 2,000 of Freddie's hits. I figure we can just walk through those. and I don't know, just, just take the ones out that he's got off of me. <laughs> um, next one is Shohei. You know he and... hit the hardest ball of his career off me? No really? way. In the, in the playoffs, in, the, in 2020 in the playoffs, he had a homer off me in the first inning. It was like 115 or 118. He, he killed this ball. Damn. How'd you feel about that? We won. Okay. Good. That's all that matters. I like that. <laughs> Um, next one is Shohei. This guy is going into play on Monday, the only qualified hitter in baseball with an OPS at a thousand or higher, and, and he's fourth in punch outs. And you just yep. watched him, I'm sure, in, in the freeway series this past week. It, like, what do you feel as another player in LA when you watch that guy play baseball? Well, I mean, I, I think first I love all the rumors swirling that he's going to come play for us. I think that's a that would be a good deal for everyone involved. It, it's basically already, congrats, he's your teammate. Yeah, it feels like that a little bit, doesn't it? But and it's um, only going to cost you six hundred million dollars. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I don't know, man. It it's an interesting thing. I, I think the only downside to a player like Camry is you you spend that money, and the guy stubs his toe, right? And then you, you've not only lost your number one or your number two pitcher, right? You've lost your three hole hitter as well. And, you know, just if you look through how many guys get injured, how many guys are on a single team every year, like that guy counts as two or three guys. And so it's like that little weird, like diversify your asset thing. Obviously, I would love to play with him, and I, I think he's an unbelievable player. And I'm really trying to poke holes in anything. Here. Like that's the only downside because he's obviously exceptional on both sides of the ball. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think we'll – I don't think we'll ever see anyone like him again. And we obviously haven't before. You know, I think Babe Ruth is like the one that everyone talks about. Like, Shohei hasn't, has been here around the same amount of time as I have. Like, he's well surpassed what Babe Ruth did pitching. Like, 
Oh yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, the, the Florida kid, I guess everyone wants him to be the next one. You know, we'll see how good he is on, on either side. Like, I don't know. It's really hard, man. And, you know, the name that keeps on coming up with Caglione at Florida is Brendan McKay. And McKay was really freaking good. And he was probably big league caliber in both. But Yeah, but McKay was kind of, uh, I want to say, because it's a compliment. He was like so refined on both sides already. Mm -hmm. And I think it was kind of known that there was a ceiling that he was like pretty close to. This Mm. Florida kid, it's like, he had a five ERA. I saw the other day it's like a five or six ERA in games that he walked more than four. It's like you're throwing ninety seven from the left. Like you probably shouldn't be walking four in games, right? Like uh, with and then hitting, obviously, you know, he can hit, but like refined or being polished typically means you're just closer to your athletic ceiling, right? So uh, I think Otani has that weird ability where. He's so athletic that I, I don't know if we've seen the ceiling of everything he can do. Like we've obviously seen him do a lot of things, but the 200 inning thing, can he do that? Like now you're putting him in, in the conversation of like elite level pitching while he's also hitting 40 homers. So you're like super nitpicky. I mean, if he was, if he was average on both sides of the ball, he'd be one of the more valuable players in baseball, right? Like if he was worth two war, pitching and two war hitting like a good player he's worth four and a half war four war like it's crazy i think uh something that i find interesting about like people are putting dollar amounts on otani right they're like what is a dh worth that's hitting 40 home runs and has a thousand ops but then what is a pitcher worth who throws 180 innings and strikes out 200 guys and then you put those two numbers together and that's what he's worth but you also got to well, understand we, marketing and the market. That's exactly what I was about to say. We were, at, things like that. we were at the World Baseball Classic and the show that yep. was Shohei Otani. I mean, the amount of people that were filling into the stadium just for a chance to take a picture yep. from the nosebleeds, yep. the jersey sales, like baseball is a business. So you might as well just tack on 10 million more <laughs> a year just to get him yep. in the building. And I, then I you remember factoring all those things. I remember when I was in high school these teams will come in and you'll have dinner with the team or whatever. And I met with Boston before the draft when I was in high school. I asked them about, uh, Dice K Matsu, was it Matsuyama? Matsuzama? Matsuzaka. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, did you guys know he like, everyone said he was going to be really, really good. And this was like a couple years late. This was 2012. So he was kind of, Take he break. wasn't winning Cy Youngs, you know? And they're like, listen, we we knew he'd probably be a three or four in the major leagues, but his contract was paid for the moment he signed it. Yep. Like, what do you mean? He's like, we sold so many jerseys and so many this, and I think it's awesome because it this is a global game that we play, right? And you look at the diversity in baseball now, and it, we can obviously get more more of this, that, the other, whatever. But um, there's always been a, a superstar from over there, at least since I've been, or you know been watching and it was you know nomo and matsui and i played with a few guys and so i, I think it's it's cool that the, the torch has kind of been passed now ichiro i forgot i don't know how i forgot him but like it's a global game and and to have them involved there's a huge business side um element to it that that the average fan probably doesn't think of 
quick aside, if the opportunity is presented to you to be a part of the WBC roster mm -hmm. uh, next come around, is that something that like you have on your baseball bucket list or not? Necessarily? Yeah, I would love to. I, I got to wear, I got to play for Team USA for one week in college. So I left the Cape, went to Cuba with the team, then went back to the Cape for the playoffs. And it was one of the cooler, cooler weeks I've ever been a part of. We had, we had four guys from my college team on that same team. And, you know, you just meet these guys from all over and it, it's really a cool, cool experience. And, and I, you know, I guess, it, I got to think it's like being at an all-star game for two weeks, like yeah. the all-star game and being in that locker room is some of the coolest times or, or coolest experiences you're going to have in this game. And um, to be able to do that for an extended period of time, I would love to. Now this year was the first time I've ever really heard of it, but when they cut on you a couple of times, you're hard to ensure, but we'll see. I would love to go do it. Got you. Um, all right. Jump into Ellie De La Cruz and then a rise to, to wrap that. Ellie, like, I'm not sure if you were watching on Friday night. It was one of those where I was keeping close tabs, like, as it kept on going. And I was looking at ticket prices because, you know, Indy to Cincy is hour yeah. 45. I was like, all right. You know, it's it's Smith Shaver who I'm intrigued by. It's a chance to see Ellie live. It's like, holy hell, 75 bucks to get in the door? I'm not doing that. Yep. So I didn't do it, and I have immediate regret. Uh, <laughs> what were you feeling when, when you saw that? freakazoid do what he did on friday well i mean it, it's the second time in what three shows that we're talking about him like yeah th there's something too that we're talking about Tony all the time and then we're talking about this kid um we got to talk it's about crazy him man he's got this he's got this sneaky ability to you know we've all especially when you're growing up playing in minor leagues and stuff you see guys that have like these flashes of things that other people can't do but he seems to have those along with like looking like the kid that played shortstop at Vanderbilt for three years too. Like he's refined with this like ceiling thing that happens. And and I don't know if we've seen somebody quite like that in a long time. You know, I, I think Mike Trout, but even I think more like Acuna, like that. Yeah. Level, yeah. Freak athlete. The electric, I mean, Mike is as crazy an yeah, athlete true. as you'll ever see. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but even both those guys, there's like some weird stuff that happens every once in a while. Trout will go into slumps that like his swing says that it should never happen. Acuna like gets swing happy or makes some weird decisions sometimes. Obviously, he's done pretty well against me, so it's hard for me to say anything. <laughs> but but he does, right? You'll see him, you know, pop up to the infield in the first pitch of a game and stuff like that. And this yep. De La Cruz kid just seems to have this feel, this poise and this feel of of a guy that's played six or eight years already, right? He he plays like Freddie with like the tools of, of Otani, right? Like that's kind of what he's doing. And that's why it's kind of weird. It's great. We haven't seen anything like that. Yeah. Six foot five beating <laughs> out grounders to first base. I mean, what the hell are we even talking about here? So I mean, I mean we'll see what happens in three years when they give him his money and whatever. Tatis <laughs> was like that too. You know what I mean? Tatis but was Tatis doing crazy things really like that. Play. Do what? Tatis is still doing his thing, too. I mean, he's de developed into one of the best defensive right fielders in the entire yeah. game. Yeah. I mean, it took a while on the suspension and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> um, hey, last, last headline I want to hit here is Luis Arise. 
because, you know, 400 is so unique and, you know, everybody wants to talk about Ted Williams, you know, even go to like a Tony Gwynn. People are making Luisa rise to Tony Gwynn comps right now. We enter play on Monday with Louis, with Luis, Luis arise yep. hitting 399 at 71 points better than anybody else. Yep. And there's something about the era that he's doing it in. You're a really fucking good pitcher. There are a lot of other really fucking good pitchers. Right. For him to hit 399 right now in this era of really fucking good pitchers, yeah. how impressive is what he's doing? I think it's even more impressive that he's doing in his first year in a division because he doesn't know these guys, right? Like yeah. he hasn't faced, you know, Sonny Gray. He hasn't faced him 50 times. Like I faced Charlie Blackman 50 times. He knows what I can do, what it looks like, what it, when I'm good, what it looks like, when I'm bad, what it looks like. He just he's just walking in there and hitting, getting hits off guys like they're they're pitching machines and they're like high quality, you know, major league caliber pitchers. It's it's crazy to me. I remember somebody asking about that, like, oh, there's this crazy bet, uh, you know, that he'll hit 400. I'm like, listen, man, maybe in a year or two, like, but not his first year. Like, you're crazy. And now I look like an idiot, and I don't like that. But <laughs> it is what it, it. It's just a wild kind of throwback thing. I mean, I guess to bring up Ichiro again, like that's the last time we've really seen this kind of thing that I can think of, mm-hmm. uh, or even yeah, had the belief that a guy could do it, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking like batting title of recent years. You know, you played with Trey. You know how talented Trey Turner is, and that's a guy that you know is consistently near the top of the batting title. But, but Jack, to Walker's that. point, Trey Turner goes from the Dodgers to the Phillies and has struggled in the early goings. And exactly. that's going over to a new division. And look at what Luis Arise is doing it 400. Exactly. It, no. So, I mean, like, I think Trey is the is probably the other active guy that you ID. And it's like, oh, he's flirted with consistent batting titles, but he's never been 380. He's never been 370. No. Like, this is just a crazy number that he's getting to. Yeah, my boy Corey Seager is getting a little something going down there, too. He's hitting like 350 down there. Mm-hmm. Dude, rakes. I love Corey Seager. I'm the <laughs> biggest Corey Seager guy. I love him. No, um, I mean, it, it is interesting in this in this day and age that we kind of have a guy that's doing it the way he's doing it. And, and you know, it's fun to watch. It's a, it's a cool thing. It's something kind of new. Like, oh, the guy went four for five again, and it's back up to 400. Like, I think everyone's kind of like rooting for it in a weird way, except the team that he's playing. Like, Right. No, I, I mean think- like that in Miami too is awesome. Yeah. Arm, Arm made a really good point um, on a couple podcasts ago. He said, is, is Luis Arias chasing 400 more impressive than Aaron Judge breaking Roger Maris's 62 home runs? And as a Yankee fan, I'm biased. And I was like, no, Aaron Judge, cooler. You know, it's home runs. But the more I think about it in this day and age, for him to be able to hit 400 with also moving in the division, which is such a great point that you made, I think it's more impressive. Like, yeah, it's, to me, the home run record thing has always been you have to be great on X amount of swings, right? Like mm. you have to be great and strong and big and talented and hit the ball out of the park 62 times. Obviously, not many people have ever been able to do it. But to hit 400, like, you have to be well above average for 180 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, when you, you even look at that. No, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was no, just like, gonna... guys, have, guys have hit 10 or 12 homers in 
two weeks. Like they get hot and they hit homers and whatever. Every ball they touch is a homer, right? Like that's never going to happen for a full season to hit 400. It's like, it's so crazy. So it's like having a sub one as a starting pitcher. Exactly. It's the Bob Gibson thing. You're good every single time you're on the hill. And and the most interesting thing to me about the Maris year in 61 was he started really slow. Like the first month he was, I think, four or five homers. And then he was 24 and 38 days or 38 games. And like a hot stretch gets you back on pace with 400. If if you start five and three for five back to back days. It's 300, not 400. Mm-hmm. Like, great day. For everyone else, three for five is a great day. You're chasing 400. You go over five and three for five. You're hitting 300. Like, I'm just looking at the stat leaderboards right now. Ronald Acuna Jr. is hitting 328. Luis Arias is hitting 399. There are three guys right now with 24 or more home runs. Pete Alonso is 24. Otani and Matt Olson are tied for the lead right now with 25. Yeah, like they're they might have thirty before the All Star break, or at least close what's, to that. What's the OPS difference? What's what's Arias OPSing? Nine forty. Arias top five right. in baseball in OPS. Interesting. He slugs a little bit. You know, we were talking about that. It's it's a big outfield in Miami. Have you pitched at that new Miami ballpark? I have. I've been awful there. You know what? I think that meme that you that is from my Instagram that we were talking about earlier. I got a, I hit a double in Miami in that. Hell part. yeah. Cause you I know, it's a huge outfield. It's not a bandbox, baby. It's a big outfield. And I think that he, he racks up these doubles, man. And like, he's yeah. pumped out a couple, like he slugs a little bit too. So nine forty. It's yeah, so that's surprising to me. Mm-hmm. But if, so it, I mean, if you're hitting 400 though, you're on base is at least 400. And you're slugging, slugging at least four, like, if you hit 400, you can't really OPS below 800, I wouldn't think. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, so- like if you hit nothing but singles. Yeah, you're, you're 400, still OPS 400. like 800. You're an 800 OPS. So it's all, yeah. it's all uphill from there. It's, it's so Crazy. fucked up to go to Otani's page. And when I'm just looking at OPS guys, and like I have to go from pitching to hitting when I look at a three one three ERA, and then I'm like, oh, he has a higher OPS than Luis Rise at a thousand, and I'm just like, dude, this guy is like, how is he not worth seventy million dollars a year? How is he not worth it? I don't care. I'll pay him. I don't care. <laughs> uh, okay, I want to wrap with Walker Buehler, the actor, in these BMW commercials oh that I was watching. So I, I came across. Actually, no. One of our Ethan, uh, one of our social media guys, came across the BMW commercial you did with Tim Anderson, Pete Alonso, Ozzy Albies, and that was the choreography one. Um, and, and we may clip this and you know slap it on a social video, but you were part of like a, a dance number with TA, with Alonso, and with Ozzy Albies. How did that come about? Were you part of the choreography, or did you just have no recollection of what you're? Uh... I have no recollection of what you're talking about. Is it the bourbon that, that is forcing yeah, no recollection? Or is that... but it's Buffalo Trace's fault, but I don't remember anything that you're talking about. Okay, let's jump to the next one then, because I think you were doing a good Brick Tamlin impression with Nestor, with Ozzy Albies, and Byron Buxton in the car. You know what I'm talking about? I do. I thought I did a great job. I thought that I hit the lines perfect. I thought I was most efficient of the four in terms of nailing the lines, getting them out. Um, 
I thought I did a great job. Who was the <laughs> least great job? <laughs> Who was the um, least great TA had a tough time the first year. We, he had some weird lines, though. So I don't really – and Byron Byron had a tough time with some, but he had some weird ones, too. It's interesting. You show up with stuff like that, and, like, even the easy ones are so uh, out of character. Like, it's just not stuff that we would ever say. And so you get that, and then there's always one guy that theirs are, like, way harder. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny to sit there and just like watch that self-doubt and implosion come off of come into like extremely talented and confident people. Like it feels like a group presentation where you yeah. and your buddies just can't stop laughing. Yeah. It it's hard. I will tell you there's been many a take in the two years that I've done that that are just everything's perfect until one of us laughs. It is a, it is kind of a, it's a horrible, it's an awful and awesome thing to do is to go shoot a commercial with like some of your peers. Like it is very fun, but then you start getting mad at people because it takes too long. Like then it's like us versus them. Like, you know, we all start telling them, no, that was perfect. That was as good as I could do it. Like, so yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a cool experience. Working with them has been cool. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm, you know, a great actor. I really don't think so, but I can recite lines pretty good. I can get it done. I think that's acting. That's good. Um, last one before we let you go. Have, I, I was thinking about this on Sunday night baseball. Dita rule is so good at his job. The, the ballpark organist at Dodger stadium, you ever given him a wreck? No, no. No, he did the he does the little Ferris Bueller thing when I pitch, um, like the chicka chicka thing. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. They do when I strike somebody out at Dodger Stadium. That plays like. Okay, the chicka chicka. Yeah, that thing. Every time uh, he does that for certain guys. I know for Gonsolin, it's now like a meow thing because he loves cats and stuff. Yeah. Kind of but. <laughs> Uh, no, he's, he's incredible. And it's not, that doesn't, uh, they don't do that everywhere anymore. You know what I mean? I think that used to be a huge part of it. And like, that was just kind of a, a normal thing at a ballpark. And obviously in LA, we kind of pulled some traditions really, really tight. And, and I think it's a, it's a really cool part of, of our, you know, ballpark experience, I guess. All right. Walker Bueller, you are the man. Thank you very much. Love the Buffalo Trace, and we'll talk yeah, to you buddy. next week. Sounds good. I have enough for the summer. Thank you, Buffalo <laughs> Trace. Great visit with Walker. Thanks for coming back every week to chat with uh, with us to listen to that guy's thoughts. Um, he is an excellent social media follow, and it's so good to see the catcher in the crouch again because we know how stupidly good a pitcher he is, and uh, we're getting closer to seeing him on the hill. That's a massive upgrade for the LA Dodgers, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's pretty good. Um, That'll definitely, definitely help them a little bit. That's the thing. Like just objectively, if you look at the Dodgers, if you look at the NL West, if they get Bueller back and he makes, I don't know, four starts, five starts in the month of September for the LA Dodgers, like that's a massive pro for them. I, I think there's a level of like, I don't know, like I, I wouldn't say it with Walker on, cause he'd probably be like, 
Yeah, I know. Like, but I think there's a level of just him being on the field with how like how beloved he is by the fan base, by his teammates. Just seeing that guy back playing again, I think will galvanize the team to a degree too. Not that they need to be galvanized, but I I think there's a level of Walker's back. We feel stronger. Yeah. And you're kind of in lockstep and, and you roll from there. Like I think if Walker beats or or kind of meets the the what they've said is an aggressive timeline, which he likes to that on himself. If he comes back when he says he is, that's a big like, you know, kind of make your statement and hey, we're winning. If, if that's one of your leaders and he beats his timeline and he's back to help you make a playoff push, that's got to get you fired up as a ball club. Yeah, it's it's a dick on the table moment. And I use that term on the call up. I'll use it again. Like that is, hey, we're yeah. here. Two Fuck for two you guys. Let's rock. So, yeah. yeah, I guess I just have to use it every episode moving forward. Um, Want to wrap with the murder that we saw in Colorado <laughs> on Saturday night? Because I was <laughs> I was keyed in like during that 13 run third inning. The Angels were up 23 to nothing on the Colorado Rockies in the top of the fourth inning. They won that game 25 to one. And the thing that like put me over the edge was the Rockies in those disgusting city connects. <laughs> I mean, allowed a three run nuke to David Fletcher to make it 23 to nothing in the fourth. <laughs> and I've just never seen anything like that. I flipped it on and I was like, I got to watch this. This is like watching a, this is like watching a murder documentary for me. Like I can't do it, but everything <laughs> works in slow motion. It was crazy. Dude. I mean, you had, you had two guys go five for five. If Mickey Moniak goes five for five, you're winning some, something. 20. Something's up. If David right. Fletcher has four hits and six ribbies. You're winning by 30. <laughs> like, they send 52 or 58 guys to the plate. Think about that. Like Mike Trout, three for three. They pinch hit for him because they're just like, get this guy out of here. Yeah. The crazy Otani was one for seven. Yep. He's a bum. Like that, that is crazy. Welcome to the I, I you know what I think this is? I think it's the Eduardo Escobar effect. I'm gonna try to put a tweet out here. Uh like basically Angels offense pre-Escobar, Angels offense post-Escobar. It's gonna be vastly different. Just wait till they're pre and post Mike Moustakis. Moustakis was just picked up by the Angels too. When you have Eduardo Escobar and Mike Moustakis in the same lineup, all hell's They're good. averaging 25 runs at the end with Eduardo Escobar and hopefully Moustakis. You could say uh, averaging 20 plus runs a game. Because um, I think they'll do it again when they get Moustakis in here. Yeah, I hope so. Against Colorado too. I This was just one of those where like, okay, Coors Field, whatever. But it was, I mean, sacrificial lamb after sacrificial lamb. Uh, is this Chase Anderson, two and two thirds, nine earned? Yeah, 35 year old Chase Anderson. Then they go to a guy that neither of us had ever heard of, and Matt Carasidi, 31 Never. year old. I feel for that guy, got an out, six earned, four hits and two walks. Then they turn to Noah Davis, three innings, 11 hits, nine earned. Holy hell, man. And then Carl Kaufman shuts the door. Carl three Kaufman. innings, three hits, one earned run. How about him? Ah, shout out Carl Kaufman, lowering the ERA to 10.19. So, I mean, the Rockies, we know that they just approach everything bizarrely. But, like, what do they sell? They got to sell something. So, Elias <laughs> Diaz, 
Um, yeah. I, I, was, I was sitting with a buddy. We watched Midsummer last night. I told Oh, yeah. Really, that. really fucked up, right? Really fucked up film. A fascinating film. So I was I was big juiced up by that. So we turned that off and we hop into this 13 run third. And he asked me, he's a big Yankee fan, but he's like, who were like the good players on the Rockies? Who's their best player? And I took a long pause. <laughs> it was like the guy with the golf grip. Yeah. I Jones. Was like, I was like, I mean, you know, like in terms of name appeal, like Chris Bryant's probably that guy. And he's like, oh yeah, I forgot Chris Bryant was on the Rockies. But like Chris Bryant's not playing. <laughs> like, no. it's, it's so brutal what they have going on there. Yeah. I, so. You can't even really answer the question. I, Randall Grichuk in his 0.3 F4. Oh, shout out Yankeel Fernandez. He's the truth that he's on the way. Homered yesterday, double A Hartford. I think that was his first. I love that. All right. Every link you need is in the episode description. Aram, let's get you out the door. Let's get you to uh, London Stadium, home of West Ham United, to see the bouncy turf. Yes, sir. All right. Peter and I will talk to you guys tomorrow. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.